Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to episode 118 of the Marathon Running Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk to Morgan the Moose about his recent heart attack. This is the Marathon Running Podcast by Letty and Ryan from We Got the Runs. Join us in our running community for weekly content that is motivational, educational, and inspirational and let the marathon running podcast take you from the starting line to the finish line and beyond hey runners and welcome to episode 118 wow this was a mouthful this is like the third cut you used to say 100,000 100 and 111 <laughs> i don't think i'm alive on this earth for the next 118,000 episodes, unfortunately, maybe fortunately. But anyway, so we are Ryan and Letty, and we do a weekly marathon running podcast. We bring experts to you on training and all things running, nutrition, etc. Today, we're going to talk about your health mm -hmm. or a health scare. That happened to one of our previous interviewees. So we live in Florida, Southwest Florida to be specific, and in our community is a man whose name is Morgan the Moose, right? He is a PE teacher and a speaker, etc. But he also is a very well-known person in the community for being as active as he is. He's participated on the American Ninja Warrior four times. He used to run. And so, yeah, so today we're talking to him about the news that he put on Facebook a couple weeks ago that he had a heart attack. And you and I were both kind of mind blown by the fact that this is something that would happen to someone like Morgan the Moose. Yeah, you don't think it could have... I mean, he, how old is he anyway? He's like 40-something? He's 48. Yeah, so he's in his 40s and he's into fitness, so it's not something you think um, commonly. But there are lots of genetic factors and other things that can contribute to heart disease. Exactly, and that's exactly the reason why he actually was... On the alert, because he had a genetic predisposition for it. And unfortunately, despite him eating kale as much as he did and broccoli and staying active, it happened to him. So I think he also ate peeps. <laughs> so sorry, go on. Did you go through the whole scenario or whole event with him? Yeah. So we talked about, well, we basically are going to reintroduce him to the audience. He talks about what he had going for his fitness regimen. A little bit more and then everything that happened to him on that day when his heart attack happened and then what's going on with him afterwards and some words of advice for our audience. So are you ready to listen to his uh, conversation? Sure. All right. So without any further ado, we're now going to play our conversation with Morgan the Moose. All right. So I'm on here with Morgan the Moose, right? So hi, Morgan. Hi. <laughs> 
Hey, Letty. Good to see you again and hear you again. Yes, exactly. Um, so we've had you on, um, I think it was a couple of years ago where we talked about fitness because you've obviously been on American Ninja Warriors and you are known in our community as one of the fittest people. So we, before we talk about everything that happened to you, maybe just you know, kind of give us a summary, tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, uh, let's see. Well, my name is Morgan Wright, and I go by the nickname Moose because I often wear a silly moose hat when I go to various competitions. I was wearing the hat from off course races to uh, jujitsu matches, grappling matches, to, to you know, fighting in the cage, to uh, later on to ninja. And it was amazing. Like for American Ninja Warrior, American Ninja Warrior has been fantastic. I've spent uh, four seasons. I've actually gotten the phone call uh, six times, but two of the seasons I was unable to go uh, for other obligations. Uh, but that's what I do. I am a retired Army veteran, and I now currently work as a PE teacher in the Cape Coral area. And I've been highly decorated with that. I was the first PE teacher to ever receive the coveted Golden Apple Award. And I... I I've had it likened. I, one of my friends told me that I'm like everyone's favorite uncle. I just kind of stumble into things and everyone's like, ah, it's Moose. Hey, what's going on? Because I'm real big on just, you know, being, it, it's not hard to be kind. And I've always worked really hard about that. And everything I'm always approached, it's always been with my student, with social media being what it is, my students will see me. And I can't tell them to be good and me go out there and be like uh, unkind. So, that would be me in a nutshell. I am happily married. I got my wife, Lisa. We just celebrated our 19th anniversary. And we have our two children, Jackson and Jocelyn. So I now have two high schoolers. And I got to tell you, it's definitely been an interesting experience. <laughs> I can only imagine. I have two little kids. And uh, it's a whole different ball game, I'm sure, in high school. But yeah, congratulations on your anniversary. Obviously, 19 years is a long time. Um, that's beautiful. And I think you're not just a role model for the kids in school, because like I said, in our community, you're known, you know, for your fitness regimen and for just being a very active person. So perhaps you can tell us a little bit about pre-heart attack, your fitness regimen, because I'm trying to paint a picture here for our listeners of how active you really were, given that you're a PE teacher and involved in all those sports. Oh, well, th yeah, of course. Uh, I usually work out six to seven days a week. I mean, I, I actively participate with my students in PE. So a lot of times that would be like my cardio portion, you know, cause I'm, I'm running because little children, they have energy. They come out to PE, they're ready to play. I, I'm a big believer that first and foremost for elementary PE should be fun because uh, that's how we make lifelong lovers of fitness. We get them to enjoy fitness when they're young. They want to continue to do it later on in life. So I, my PE class is always high energy, lots of jokes, lots of fun. They don't even realize they're sweating half the time. I'm playing music. I'm dancing around. And then I would, I would come home. I would immediately put my little collagen proteins and BCAAs in my water bottle, and I'm out the door to the gym. And I'm, my average workout session is anywhere from 90 minutes to two and a half hours, depending on what day of the week it is. Uh, I'm, and because the sports I've had throughout my life has, have always been uh, whole body sports, like especially grappling and ninja, you use every, and running, even obstacle racing, you use your whole part of your body. So my training regimen was pretty uh, intense. I'm big on 
whole body training just about every day at the gym. And it has been wildly successful. I, I was also big on, you know, good sleep habits. Like it's so funny as adults, we never get uh, enough sleep and people are like, Oh, I know. I, I just, I just can't get to sleep. No, you can you just have other distractions that are keeping you from there. So it's like, uh, I have my friends tease me about how important I, I treat my sleep. I need my beauty sleep. I'm getting old. I get a lot of gray showing up in this beard. I need that. I need that little extra Z time for me. Um, uh, but I, I do pay attention to my nutrition as well. And, and it has been, it has been fun. It's, uh, it's paid off. Well, I do, uh, I like, I, I do work out. I do like the way I look from the physical training. You know, uh, I do enjoy having the ability to have my body do the things I want it to do because one day I know I won't be able to. So I want that day to be very long, long, far away in the future. I want my body to be able to do all the fun stuff I want to be able, I want it to do for as long as I can. So that's why I've always been really trying to be very positive about uh, gym positivity and gym motivation in general. And by just trying to be a good role model for that. Yeah. So you pretty much basically painted this perfect picture of what your lifestyle looked like, not from a just exercise perspective, but also nutrition. And it also seems like you're really positive person. So we were all for that reason, very shocked when we heard the news that you ended up having a heart attack. So perhaps you can tell us what happened, how it happened, and just tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. It was, it, it, we all have humbling moments in our life. And that would be an incredible understatement for this. I, I know intelligently and intellectually, I should say that I've had uh, heart issues running in my family. My father just had four stints put in and he is like an older version of me. He's literally, my dad is literally the living embodiment of Ned Flanders. Like he is, I did oh neighbor, but you know, but then Ned Flanders rips off his shirt and is in shape. My dad's, you know, he's at the gym, you know, four or five days a week at 72 years old. Um, but you know, just very, very cheerful, very happy was one of the greatest teachers I ever met in my life. Um, so, and, and I know that people would say, Oh, hered if it's hereditary, it's an issue. Well, both my grandfathers had, you know, heart issues and heart attacks. And, and I was like, you know what? That's not going to be me. I'm going to, I'm going to eat my broccoli. I'm going to do my burpees. I'll even have kale literally tastes like sadness. It is the physical manifestation of tears. And I still ate it because I was healthy, dang it. And, and I would say, you know, I, I look good. I feel good. I, I'll get that checkup later. I'll, I'll do it later. And I even spent about the last five or six weeks before my heart attack, I wasn't feeling right. I was feeling like I would start exercising and I would feel a pressure in my chest. And I'm like, huh, that's not, that's not normal. My, my right arm would, would get weird and heavy. And I'm like, huh, that's weird. I remember that. They said that's a sign of heart issues, but that's not me. The morning of my heart attack, I don't remember getting up. I don't remember driving myself to the gym. I vaguely remember being on the phone with my dad, talking about something. And then apparently I went into the gym. I started working out didn't feel good, got back into my car and drove myself 
to the local Veterans Administration Hospital. I don't remember any of that. I do remember suddenly being in the VA and trying to talk to the people at the desk, and I couldn't quite take a breath. And I looked at them, and I just, I remember just falling down on their desk. My next memory is is being in the ambulance. And the guy's like, hey, I just put some nitro under your tongue. Uh, That's probably why you're awake real quick. And I said, oh, I got to text my wife. Now, I remember being in the ambulance. I don't remember. Apparently, I sent her a selfie. And I absolutely looked like a school lunch three days later. I looked. It was awful. And I remember vaguely telling her I was trying to go to the hospital. And that's all I remember. I, I went out. I, I coded right there on the spot. Uh, apparently, they started CPR on me, and they had to use the AED shock paddles on me. They got me to Lee Memorial, where I was stable for a brief moment, and then I coded again. So they, had, they administered CPR, and they hit me with the shock paddles again. Now, the vast majority of us, especially the more fit people, we've all, we've all generally speaking, we've all gone through those old CPR classes in our life before. And when you're in the CPR classes, they say, if you're doing CPR correctly, there's a really good chance you will bruise or break their ribs. Now, I admit I was always very uh, skeptical of that. I am no longer skeptical of that. My ribs were sore for over a month, like deeply sore. Like, like I felt it in the cockles of my soul level sore. Uh, But anyway, they got me to, after you code a second time, it turns out that the procedure is they run you to a health park. You go straight to the ICU, to the cardiac lab. Okay. At this point, uh, I got intubated. I was unconscious. Uh, I came around apparently a little bit, but I was very disoriented. And unfortunately and embarrassingly, I became combative. So they had to dogpile on me and restrain me uh, because I, mean, I am fit, I am strong, and I, you know, I, I did enjoy uh, MMA as a hobby. And I don't, I don't remember any of this, but they were like, yeah, you were a bit of a problem. And it's not my personality. I, I don't want to hurt people. I, it's not, not my thing. Uh, I do remember at times breaking out. They had to keep uh, upping my sedation, my sedation meds. Cause I kept coming out of, it. I kept breaking out of it because I don't clearly, I don't like having a tube jammed down my throat and I don't like being restrained. Apparently who knew, uh, but I kept popping out of it. I remember being intubated. I remember chewing on the tube stuck down my throat and asking a nurse gargling, is this real? And I remember her looking at me and Somehow it hit her in her feels. I remember her crying a little bit, telling me, yes, this is real, and I'm so sorry. Uh, I spent four days in a medically induced coma. On day two, they put a braking technology, the Impella device, uh, into my groin to start running, you know, cycling my blood through my body and helping because uh, I Oh, let me back up just a touch. What happened is out of my four arteries, three of them, very strong, very healthy. I had one artery that for whatever reason, just gave up the ghost. It, uh, because of my hereditary issues, 
Uh, I've had hereditarily high cholesterol, hereditarily high blood pressure, uh, hereditary heart disease. This one artery was like, nope. And it became 100% blocked, just 100% blockage in this one artery that I had no idea. So that's what put me down. And then, so I get there and they put this device into my groin and it looked like everything was working well, but they twice tried to bring me out of sedation and both times all my vitals just tanked. So they then used, they, they have a larger one that gets basically implanted into the right side of your chest. And, uh, it's, it's, it's called the five, the 5.5 pump. It's like a little pump patch. And for lack of a, in layman's terms, it's this medical device and it's a pump and it, it puts a straw, uh, the looking device into your heart, into your heart. And it, it sucks the blood up one side and shoots it down the other artery. So your heart muscle can actually just rest. It does all the pumping for you. This device was stitched into my chest, cut through my, they cut through my pec to put everything in, uh, which let me tell you, getting operated through muscle is way more painful than other things getting cut on your body. I mean, so I'm dealing with this and uh, it, it was letting my heart rest but by now it was day four and because I had coded twice and because I had been medically uh, put under for so long, the doctors were very frank with uh, my poor wife, Lisa, my children, my family. They're like, he's going to have a TBI. He's going to not be the same person when he wakes up, be prepared. He is going to have brain issues. Uh, now imagine my wife and my children spending every single day being by my side. I'm unconscious. I'm restrained. I, I have parts of me swollen. I have a tube down my throat. I can't respond to cues. I don't hear commands. And they're told every day that I'm not going to be the same person anymore when I wake up. And mathematically, they're right. Mathematically, I should not have been. I... At 48 and being that young and in shape, realistically, I would have to be homed. I would, I would not be a candidate to be taken care of at home because at that age, I would be like a willful five-year-old mentally. And so they were so steeled and so prepared, but yet still there for me every day that when they finally brought me around four and a half days later, and I, I remember waking up to uh, Lisa coming in, you know, like what, giving me like this scared little mouse wave. And I'm just like, what? What's mind you? I had no idea. I'm just like, what's going on? I'm in a hospital. Why does my throat hurt from because I didn't realize that a tube in me? Why does my chest hurt? What's this thing stitched into my chest? You know, like I have questions, you know, and. And she just comes in and she's trying to like. She's talking to me and I'm able to answer back. And that moment when she realized I was okay, like you could, I could see like the whole world of emotion run through her face and her body and just her soul. Uh, and she slid my wedding band back onto my finger, like just to have that, that, that level, you know, to know that she was there, you know, for our, for our children having to see me, you know, my daughter every day. You know, at 17, she was asking all the questions, taking care of me, holding my hands, brushing my hair, rubbing my feet for me, just every day hoping I was better. You know, it's, uh, 
you know, uh, my daughter Jocelyn, she was sending me text messages every night, you know, I didn't have my phone on me, but she knew that one day I would wake up. She wanted, she was expressing her soul to me just about how important I was to her and the family and, you know, pictures of everybody and just, you know, uh, it, it took me two weeks after to have the courage to go through and even read through those. And cause I, I just emotionally wasn't ready for it. And, and it was insane. So I learned that it was hereditary issues and that hereditarily when something runs in your family, yes, you can do things I've learned to help mitigate some of it. But a, a big part of that mitigation is understanding that we have science, we have technology. And I was being stubborn. I was, I was being male. And I was like, I don't need to worry about my cholesterol. I'm doing this. But sure, it's been hot. You know, sure, my blood pressure is a little up there. Even though, even though I'm doing all my cardio, I'm doing all these things. It shouldn't be there. I should still have my running cardio from when I was 20 and 30. I don't know what's going on. But part of the reason I'm sharing a lot of this story is because I want, uh, and I have been successful with, I've had so many people reach out to me uh, to say, hey, what, what do I need to get checked on? You know, what, what is going on? What, you know, if this happened to you, you know, like I'm over here, double fisting bacon chops, you know, and I'm, you know, and, and once again, I'm over here with kale. We know how I feel about that. And they're like, Hey, I, I, and so now that I'm finally home and I'm convalescing and it is, and it is humbling. I mean, my right arm is only partially useful. I can't, I can only crab claw my right hand. I can't bend my thumb. I can only feel pressure on my fingers. I can't feel sensation. Um, all my training revolves around being able to climb things and hold on to bars. I can't do any of this. Uh, I, there are, when you are an athlete and you, or even just a, uh, dedicated fitness gym person and life happens to you in such a way that you suddenly have that outlet taken away from you, you realize just how many hours there are in a day when you are unable to do the things you love. And I've, uh, anybody who's like spent some time, we've all had to deal with injuries and how we choose to deal with those injuries is often how well we bounce back. So because I think in an odd way, I'm thankful I've spent time being injured before because I'm like, okay, you know, there's, I can't do this, this, and this. So let me look at this. Let me, let me practice this one thing. Let me, you know, I, I'm not going to school, but let me help write lesson plans. You know, I let me, you know, do some writing. Let me, you know, learn how to, let me, let me watch some old Netflix. Let me finally, let me actually Netflix and chill, but actually watch the Netflix and not just flirt with my wife from across the room. Hey girl, your feet tired. You've been running through my mind all night. Oh my no, God. I'm actually watching the damn show. Hold me, tell me I'm pretty, but let me see the plot. It's Ryan Gosling. He's handsome. Anyway. Wow, Morgan. That I'm so happy for your family that they have you back, but not only have you back, but, you know, seemingly with your sense of humor, all that stuff, so much could have gone differently um, as to what little handicaps could be. And from what it sounds like in the grand spectrum, you have been very, very lucky. And obviously them, all of us too, to have you continue, have you here in the community. 
So, yeah, I was going to ask you, so you're saying that your arm, you've lost some of, some of that, the, the feelings in your fingers. Is there anything else that is different? And perhaps you can also tell us uh, what happened after you came home from the hospital. How long were you unable to do anything and what does it look like for your future? That, those, those, those are very good questions. I, uh, let's see. Uh, I, I will say that I am experiencing, I am fighting with some nerve damage down the right arm. Uh, I had a, a inordinate amount of swelling when they put the, I do have a stent in the one artery and oh. during part of the uh, procedures, there was a lot of swelling and pressure when they cut through my pectoral and uh, some other issues, it caused the swelling, the swelling put pressure on the nerve bundles. Uh, we have, we have a, a large amount of nerves under our armpits. That's why like when we're kids and we're playing with our friends crutches, and you lean on the crutches for too long and you get that weird feeling in your armpit, it's because you're putting too much pressure on that nerve bundle. So my median nerve, which basically controls your thumb, your pointer, and your index finger, uh, had a lot of problems. And so now I can't bend my thumb. I have to sit there manually like massage and, and manipulate all my fingers. I, can, I, I have uh, my pinky and my ring finger I can wiggle around and get a little bit of grip from, but the other three, no. Uh, oddly enough, uh, for now, I can't, for some reason, I can't flex my right bicep or my right pectoral. Uh, I am going to be seeing neurologists and neurology to get an MRI, see what's going on. Thankfully, it does seem like every day I get the tiniest little bit of, of something back. And I, I do follow plans very well. I follow directions, I should say. Like when PT comes like, hey, do this. I will do that for days. You know, that is now you tell me this is going to make me feel better. That's fine. Especially if it doesn't involve kale, I'm in. Now, you're going to see a theme here about my, my, my hate of kale. Even though I know it's good for me, I'm just saying. Now, um, let's see. The, when I initially was trying to get around, I will say it was awful. Uh, well, I have a, a fairly high tolerance for pain, uh, which is funny. I always joke with my wife. I'm like, I'm like, I say that as a guy. So as a guy, I always say that was an asterisk because, you know, she gave birth to our two kids. I did not do that. I, I, you know, so it's like, I'm like, I have to kind of guess and pick, but it's like a low, it's like a low grade. Like, let's say it's a two on a scale of, of 10, a two is nothing. You're like, Oh, that kind of hurts. It's like, but it doesn't go away. And it's a steady state. It's not a throb. It's not a pulse. It's just always there. Like a nerve. Like when you're, uh, when you let a body part, like your hand falls asleep and you go to wake, you, and you're like, oh, I'm going to shake my hand, and wake it up. And you get that weird fat nerve, uh, pins and needles feeling. It's that feeling, but it never ends. Uh, I like, I'm, I've been home, uh, probably 10 days now. I sleep on the couch. Because uh, my sleep habits are sporadic. I'm tossing, I'm turning, I'm uncomfortable. Uh, they do give me pain meds. I'm always hesitant to uh, take too many meds. You know, I'm like, if I, could, if I could try to find something to do that. But, you know, my poor wife, Lisa, she, she's still, she, not only is she working, she's also trying to take care of me, take care of the family. I'm doing what I can to be helpful. But no one, no one ever wants to be a bird. No one wakes up and say, I want to encumber this person today. It's been humbling. Like I, it takes me longer just to do simple tasks to, 
to eat, you know, just to eat, to feed myself, to do laundry, to dress, things you never think about. Like I'm lucky in the sense that I'm mostly ambidextrous. Uh, I, I, the only thing I do with my right hand is I actually, I do write with my right hand, all thanks to Miss Shepard, my kindergarten teacher, who was probably as old. She, I think her social security number was like 14. Like she, when I say she was old, I mean, like she got carbon dated, like mummies looked to her like, damn, you look good. And I always remember her because when I was in kindergarten, I initially reached for that back when we had those sweet fat pencils in the day for kindergarten, I would try to write with my left hand and she'd be like, oh, Morgan, honey, darling, we don't use our left hand. Only funny people write with their left hand. You have to use God's hand. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to offend God. I'm five years old. Okay, I, I, yeah, I'll use my right hand. You know, and, and I, and this was public education, but yes, yeah, so it was like in the late, you know, in the 80s. So people had a different mindset back then. So I can write with my right, but I do a lot of other things with my left. I throw with my left. I box with my left, but I play darts with my right. I'm ambidextrous for video games, everything else, uh, laundry, eating, you know, any, anything else I'm doing, I can use both hands equally. So I have been lucky in that sense. Uh, recovery has been frustratingly slow due to the nerve damage. I have been religiously, listen, it's funny because, uh, we always have jokes, you know, people like do your re we, we've seen with like politics and social issues in general, people like do your research, which really means they're surfing Facebook on the toilet. However, YouTube and, and oddly enough, TikTok has had fantastic uh, physical uh, uh, PT uh, videos as far as like they call flossing the nerves, like how to how to. Re rehab yourself and these are like legitimately like doctors personal train accredited personal trainers uh pt specialists you know cardiovascular people that are like hey this is what works for my clients this may work for you so i've been following various regimens on that i've been keeping my nutrition incredibly clean uh i've been you know watching this thing and, and i have i i most importantly been listening to my doctors they're like hey you need statins. Hey, you need a blood pressure medication. You know, they're like, you did a great job, but you've now realized you can't fight genetics. I did not win the genetic lottery. You know, it's like, I, I have a lot of good things, you know, however, as far as like my body's ability to handle cholesterol, it's, it's weird. Like I have a friend of mine, he, he literally has this torrid PG 13 level love affair with brisket and his cholesterol is like 40. Like I go by and I lick a picture in a magazine of brisket. Like, ah, 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 ah. No, that's it. My cholesterol is like 290. It is, it is not fair. It is a baby back, baby back bowl sugar. And I, it's like, it's just one of those things that like I, I had to realize like people's bodies can tolerate things differently. Like fun facts. I did not realize when I first got there, I'm like, my everything hurts. I want something for pain. They're like, I, how would you like some morphine? I'm like, I've never had morphine before. I've heard about it. I'm all in. So speaking of how things affect people differently, morphine causes me to have crazy hallucinations. 
So I'm in bed and I think the room is exploding into fractal pieces. And now I'm vaguely annoyed because I'm like, no, the room cannot explode into rectangles and octagons and triangles. It is pretty, it is pretty though. So now I'm like, now I have no idea what's real. The nurse comes in, he's talking to me and I'm like, Hey, are you really here? He's like, Oh, I see you had the morphine. I'm like, Perhaps. So that was my one and done experience with uh, that. And then from there, they took me to something lesser, which I was much happier with because I did not have to see shapes in various ways. I wasn't even that good. I wasn't even that good. Like in geometry in high school, not that good. Got a C minus. I don't want to see it again when I'm 48. I don't remember the Pythagorean theorem and stuff. I'm good. I'm good. So now that I've been home, I, I have had to like change some things around. You know, like I said, I, I've been sleeping on the couch so at least get some sleep. Uh, my kids have been wonderful. My daughter, especially, she's been you know helping me around. Uh, but they realize they know that I would want to do it on my own if I could. You know, they know that I want to do this. So that's been really helpful. Like, and because they they had that scare of of losing because I'm so used to giving. Like, I, I you know you know this. I do a lot for the community. I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of community events, I do a lot of outreach programs um, because it's fun and it makes me feel good. Why wouldn't you want to do fun things to help others and make you feel good? So now that I've suddenly have all these people want to reach out and help me, it's, it's been incredibly humbling. Like, like when I finally posted my story on social media, you know, I had thousands of reactions, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of comments. I mean, my, my inbox, like I had to carry my phone with both hands because my phone got physically heavier from all the notifications. Like it was, it was like a ding Vietnam firefight all the day. Ding, 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 ding. I was like, okay, let me put this thing on silent. I mean, so uh, it, it did make me feel good in the sense that, you know, cause we all wonder as we get older, am, am I living a good life? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I being helpful? You know, I've always been a big believer that, you know, I want to be helpful, not because, you know, there's some, super awesome dude in the sky that's promising me an eternal uh, life of fun and happiness and cotton candy if I'm good. I want to be good because that's the right thing to do. And the the community outreach has just been incredibly humbling. And that's one of the reasons I have been sharing my story because I, you know, I want people to get out there and, and get themselves checked and realize that, you know, no matter what you believe in, you know, we do have science and science is a part of our life and, and take advantage of it. Yeah, that's what I was going to talk to you about next, actually, about prevention. And obviously, you've been through something, you've learned so much about a certain topic. It'd be, here, it'd be great to hear what you have to share about that prevention. So how can other people who would potentially be in your situation prevent that? You know, it's uh, once you get above a certain age, like let's say, let's say, like take, take moving, for example. Once you get above the age 35, hire a moving company. No one wants to help you move for two cheap beers and some pizza. Hire the company. Don't do that to your friends. We're going to lie. I'm going to be like, I'm sorry. My grandfather died again. I can't come help. And that's the same thing with your health. It's like, you get to a certain age, you need to, you need to adult. When you don't get checked, there is a, there's a certain, they always say ignorance is bliss. But in my case, ignorance almost killed me. Set up a general practitioner. Know what your cholesterol is. Get a CT scan. It's a, it's a calcium check. It basically checks how much calcium is in your uh, arteries. 
And as it is now, you cannot reduce calcium and plaque buildup in your arteries, but knowing your number helps you know how to stop or slow down that buildup so you can live longer and, and have a healthier lifestyle in your life. We know certain things aren't good for us. We know that we shouldn't consume too much alcohol. We know we shouldn't consume too much red meat. And some people are like, oh, that's not for me. I'm going to go eat a steak and prove you wrong. Cool story, bro. But when your cholesterol ends up hitting 300s, you're going to have an issue. You're not sticking it to the man by having your slice of moo, of moo happiness. I get it. I, I love ribeye. I will continue to eat it, but it's only going to be like, I will have like an eight ounce portion once a month. I won't be having it once or twice a week anymore. I'm balancing things out, paying attention to your nutrition, getting your blood work done. But more importantly, knowing the numbers, Google is there for a reason. You can look up information and say, okay, this is what this number means. This isn't good. Let me go back to my general practitioner and say, hey, what do I need to do? And then most importantly, follow their advice. There are so many people like, yeah, like, you know, oh, this is really bad for me. They told me I should stop. I'll do it later. <laughs> okay. In my case, later almost didn't happen. And I can't imagine doing that to my wife and my children. I want to be there for them. I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. I want to be there for my son when he goes through life advice, when he needs help moving into college, you know, stuff like that. Should he choose to go? You know, I want to grow old. I want to, I want to be able to sit on my lawn one day and yell like, get off my lawn. I want to be able to do these things. And in order to be able to do those things, we have to adult. We're willing to adult with our jobs. We're willing to adult with our spouse. But if you don't pay yourself first, you're never going to get to those other things. And, it, and it's not hard to, to do these things. It just, you have to set time aside and make it happen. Thanks, Morgan, for coming on. And thank you for the words of advice to our listeners. Hopefully we can take all this to heart. Yeah, so a lot of the things that they do in healthcare, the screening tests, they're boring because most of them are negative. But the idea is that you're trying to catch stuff early and a lot of them are useful. And one of the ones he was talking about is a um, calcium scoring or of your heart. And so that one is a test that checks to see how much calcium you have on your coronary arteries or the arteries that go to your heart. So the test is good in the sense that if you don't have any calcium on your coronary arteries, you're unlikely to have a coronary artery or a cardiovascular event in the near term. So um, a negative test is good for you. A positive test doesn't mean that your arteries are blocked. It just means that you have a chance of having blocked arteries. So then you need to see a cardiologist and get it checked further. And so it's a... Um, it's useful tests for the right people. You don't know everyone in their 30s doesn't need to take it because they're all going to be negative. But if you have a strong family history of heart disease or once you get a little bit older and if you're concerned about it, it can be a good screening test. So kind of interesting that a few weeks ago or I think maybe a couple months ago, we talked to Phil Decker who also had something happen to him when he did a random colonoscopy because he fit into the age range where the insurance approved that colonoscopy and they actually had found cancer. So, you know, that just goes to show that what Morgan says, yes, it's 
kind of fun. You blow it off in your 20s. But then once we're in our 30s and 40s, we really need to make sure that we do have a primary physician and do the tests just to exclude stuff and make sure that even though you seem to be doing everything right with uh, fitness and nutrition, it can still happen. And none of those tests are perfect or 100%, but they're, they are what we have to help try to find things early and to prevent bad events like a heart attack. Yeah. So go find yourself a primary physician and uh, keep running, right? Yeah, exercise is great for your body for the most part. Yeah. All right. So anything else from you? So with that, maybe we'll have a more uplifting topic next time. <laughs> yes, we will try to do that. But oh, I guess good. it is uplifting because he's fine and he's good and and he's always of good in good spirits, right? He's always joking around. So uh, I think um, you know having a great sense of humor, being humbled by things that happen, and realizing that this time is precious is important. Yeah, and it's good that he's able to pull through, and that hopefully that scare will then you know, get him full, you know, get him interested in fully evaluating all his, any hard issues he has and taking care of him now. Yes, absolutely. So if you want to hear more or, you know, see pictures of Morgan and follow his recovery story, you can do that. He is on Instagram and you can find him as Morgan the Moose and we will link that in our show notes. You can find us on Instagram as Running Podcast. We're on Facebook. Our Facebook group is called Speed Striders. And with that, enjoy every minute of this weekend. And we will too, starting now. Have a good weekend. Happy running. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, head to www.runningpodcast.us. And as always, have a great week of running.